0: welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. Alright, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we've been uh, working on a series called For the Win, which is about walking in victory and spiritual battle and, and how we can, uh, I guess, live in the kind of victory that scripture says that we have and we began with that foundation of understanding that the victory has already been won for us in Christ Jesus and, and it's about learning to, to, to I guess to live and to walk in and understand how God wants us to, 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 to live uh, every day Um, so that we have that kind of victory that Jesus has already won for us and provided for us. We don't have to win it, we don't have to earn it on our own, Jesus has already done it for us. And we've been looking at uh, the book of Ephesians and we started off in uh, Ephesians a couple of weeks ago and and Paul starts off with uh, Ephesians with this declaration that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm which is a great thing to, to get into our hearts and to get into our heads that we have been provided with everything that we need. That God has blessed us abundantly and richly and give with every resource that we need for this spiritual battle. Uh, and, and we're going to just go to the message this week is, is called Getting Dressed for the Battle. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians 6, we're going to be reading the end of Ephesians, because at the end of Ephesians, it begins with telling us we've been given every blessing, we've been made right with God, he's given us every resource, and at the end he's going to tell us exactly how to kind of use those resources, how to utilize them and put them into practice in, in the battlefield. And uh, and one of the things that we're talking about this morning, one of the things that you might, uh, I guess, if we're using the analogy of of warfare and of battle, um, sometimes we 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 are aware that there are spiritual battles, and we kind of we, we want to have uh, the, we want God to give us the things that we need in the moment that we need it, and He does, which is awesome. But sometimes uh, what can change the, the course or the outcome of a battle is how prepared we are beforehand. And often the, the readiness that we have to actually fight a battle in the moment only comes out of training and preparedness. That makes sense, doesn't it? you 're with me you 're following So, so if we haven 't done kind of the, the training beforehand, we can 't expect to have the, the strength to wield the weapons we can 't expect to have the, the knowledge, uh, all that kind of stuff in the moment when we 're in the heat of battle it 's not just going to kind of magically appear because we need to sort of have trained and learned how to use some of these things. So this week is called Getting Dressed for Battle. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 6. These are probably familiar scriptures for many of us, but they're so good to go over and remind ourselves of and be reminded, because if you're anything like me, sometimes I forget. Um, I'm like, you know, one of those, uh, uh, like a leaky sieve. Like you can keep filling it up and it kind of keeps leaking out. Um, I suppose all sieves are supposed to be... That's kind of leaky. (laughs) Okay, all right. Like a leaky something that isn't supposed to be leaky. Stuff leaks out. You get the idea. All right. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. He says, "...therefore put on every piece of God's armour, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground." "...putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God." Now last week we just kind of, we I mentioned this a little bit briefly and I talked about how we don't necessarily have to kind of, you know, act out. Some people like to act out, you know, putting on, oh, I'm going to put on my shield this morning. Oh, that's not a shield, is it? That's a helmet. <laughs> Coordinated. I'm with it this morning. I'm, I'm on the ball. Putting on the helmet and putting on the, you know, the breastplate and I'm going to put on my belt and I'm going to put on my shoes and sometimes... Like, I mean, if you find that's a helpful thing, I'm not saying, like, that's a bad thing to do, um, but I did say it's kind of like we don't have to go through kind of like those physical motions. And if it was me, I think I'd almost be, like, distracted by by that. And, and what I think is actually really more important than sort of going through the motions, that doesn't mean that we don't have to put on the armour of God. All right? Paul very clearly tells us and Scripture tells us, put on the armour of God. So I'm not saying don't put it on, but I'm saying, like doing this isn't necessarily what he's talking about, all right? So we want to make sure that we actually uh, understand what it means to put on this armour so that we can do it. That sound fair? Okay, so that's good but one of the things that Paul actually gives us a, a little bit of instruction uh, about an essential thing in the next verse and he says this, he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion and often we kind of divorce that from the bit about um, the spiritual armour and we kind of go well that's sort of you know yes you know pray we understand but we don't necessarily connect the dots between what he's saying he's saying here's all these pieces of armour and the way that you put them on is in prayer the way that you activate them is in how we pray and our relationship with God and the, the way that we kind of interact. He says, pray, be a, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So I wanna, I wanna, we're going to talk about the, the pieces of the armour this morning. Um, some of you will be pretty familiar with some of it, maybe you've studied it, some of you might have studied it more than I have, which is great. Hopefully Holy Spirit will show you something new this morning and, uh, and bless you in it or maybe it'll just be a great reminder um, for you this morning. But we're going to go through the armour of God and for each one we're going to just kind of, we're going to pray. We're actually going to pray together and and pray in a way that is kind of like uh, learning how to put on the armour of God in prayer. Alright? So, firstly, we have the belt of truth. Now, the, the belt that Roman soldiers wore was not like the kind of belts that generally here in Australia we wear today. Like generally, like today, I don't know, who's. Oh, it's all right. Some of you are probably wearing belts today, I'm not wearing a belt today so I can't show you mine, um, but normally our belts today, they're kind of a little bit skinnier and they're generally about holding up our pants, aren't they? Yep. So the kind of belts that Roman soldiers wore were not about holding up their trousers. For the, for the most part, they weren't wearing trousers, <laughs> they kind of had tunics and things like that, sort of you know, they wanted to be free and easy movement during battle and all that kind of stuff. Um, but but it was often quite substantially sort of thicker and wider because it was it was a part of the armour. But it was also sort of a thing that other stuff attached onto, and so it would kind of it would, it would come around. It would sort of protect some of your your vital organs down here in this region. And uh, <laughs> um, uh, so we don't need to go into too much detail. <laughs> But it would kind of, hold everything together, the, the sword and the, the dagger and stuff would be attached to it, the, the breastplate would often be attached to it and so it kind of had this sense of um, gathering you around, holding everything in tight um, and, and kind of tying things together. Now when we talk about the belt of truth, when I was a kid, I always thought that the belt of truth was about honesty, it was about telling the truth. Now, telling the truth is a great thing, and Scripture certainly encourages us to be people of integrity and honesty, but that's not really what the belt of truth is about. The belt of truth uh, that holds us together, that brings all the pieces of God's armour together, is God's truth. It is this idea that, um, that 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 there is absolute truth, and that it comes from from God and what he says about who we are and what he says about what he's done and about uh, spiritual realities and 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 essentially the truth of the good news about Jesus Christ. And as we go through these different kind of parts of Armour this morning, we're gonna a lot of it is gonna really tie back to the truth of the gospel and we're gonna start to see how that belt of truth Just like for the Romans, it's going to tie things together, it's going to hold things together, it's going to give us that kind of sense of security and confidence in knowing that there is truth. There are things... Now we live in a world that has kind of changed the meaning of the word truth, don't we? We live in a world of moral relativism, which kind of says... What's true for you isn't necessarily true for me or anyone else. You can have your truth, I'll have my truth, what you think is right or wrong doesn't necessarily have to be what I think is right or wrong. If I think something is right, I can believe it's right and whether or not you do or whether or not anybody else does. And it's kind of, uh, in many ways, has eroded this sense of of confidence that we have in knowing that there is kind of an unshakable foundation uh, for us as Christians, which is the Word of God. So here's kind of like, you know, lesson one in putting on the belt of truth is about, um, you know, building our life on something that is unshakable. Lesson one for us as Christians is about going, here's what the Word of God says, I believe that it's true... And, and it doesn't matter how I feel, it doesn't matter what other people say, God's Word is true it, through all generations, through all ages, in all cultural contexts, in every nation of the world, God's Word is true. And unchanging, it has always been true and it will always be true. And this is, this is what it is that we build our life on. When Jesus talked about building our, you know, building our house upon the, the solid rock and not the, the sandy foundation so we don't get washed away in the first, you know, stiff breeze, um, you know, or, or rainstorm, this is what he's talking about. He's building his life on him and who he is and, and what he says. So as we come, you know, this is a great thing to do as we start our day. It is good to start off with that foundation of coming back and praying, uh, you know, God starting off with that truth. So right now, let's pray. Let's let's close our eyes. We're going to pray. We're going to say, Father, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you that you are unchanging and unchangeable. And Lord, we want to build our lives on you. Lord, we want to know and discover your truth. We want to know and discover your word and what it says about us. And we want to walk in the confidence that comes from knowing that your word is true and unchanging. Amen. So that's the belt of truth. Secondly, we have the, uh, the body armor, as it says in uh, the New Living Translation that we read before, or we probably know it as the, the, the breastplate. Sometimes I always used to imagine, kind of like, you know, those one piece muscle breastplates that, you know, because I used to read Asterix comics. Anyone read Asterix comics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like the, the centurions and the officers always had, you know, they were gold or sh- silver or, you know, they were super shiny and, you know, they had all the chiseled, you know, abs and, and all that kind of stuff on there. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so it, that, that's, uh, it's kind of like the, the breastplate, um, if you like, or there's, there's lots of other different types of armour that, that Romans, the ones with sort of different segments and things like that. I don't have pictures because I couldn't find a good one, but it, it's this it basically kind of protects our, our heart, protects our chest and, and all that kind of stuff. So we have the breastplate of righteousness. Now, righteousness is a very uh, Christian word. It's a very... Uh, a very has become a word that is not used as much culturally um, outside of the church. So we want to make sure that we understand what we mean when we say righteousness. Um, So righteousness is essentially uh, holiness, it's that character of God to always make uh, a morally right and perfect decision. And it describes very much the character of God and the character of Jesus. And every time Jesus resisted temptation, every time Jesus obeyed the Father, every time Jesus made the right decision in a particular moment, every time he chose to listen to God and not to, to human rules, um, every time he, he acted in a way that was consistent with Father God, he was establishing a life of righteousness. Now, for us as people, we have this kind of desire to want to be righteous, this understanding of this need to be righteous. Sometimes it's, it sort of crosses over into sort of self-righteousness, which is a little bit of a different thing. But we try to make decisions generally, whether, whether we're Christians or not, as human beings, most of the time and most of us try to make decisions that we think are morally right. The problem is... Um, that we, we really can't do that. This is, this is part of our problem and part of why we needed Jesus as our Saviour is that we were unable um, to uh, establish uh, effectively righteousness in and of ourself. Because, the, see, the thing is that righteousness um, and, oh, and and um, you, when we read Romans chapter 3, Paul talks about this and he says, there's, there's nobody who's righteous. And he quotes from uh, the Psalms, when he says, "No, there's there's nobody who's righteous," and he can say that because righteousness can't be partial. Righteousness—you can't just have a, a bit of righteousness. You're either righteous or you're not righteous, and so right, we can't just kind of feel like we're righteous because we did something good or made the right decision, you know, yesterday, and so you know, therefore, we're good. We have, you know, or in some moments we have to make only good decisions. All of our decisions have to be perfect, just in the same way that, you know, you might have a glass of water with just a little bit of poison in it. (laughs) All right? It's not good water, it's not pure, it's not clean. You know, in that same way, you know, no matter how uh, pure we might try to be, how many righteous decisions we might make, the, the times that we make those unrighteous decisions... Uh, what's the word? They, um, the word escapes me. They def- defile. Um, what's the opposite of purify? They make us impure. There you go. They what? Contaminate. Thank you. Good job, Hannah. I knew I brought you along for a reason. <laughs> And so when we when we kind of stand before God, we are not going to be able to stand before stand before him on the basis of our own righteousness. But here's the the good news is that as Christians, as believers, as people who are in Christ, we get to put on God's righteousness. And this is what the breastplate of righteousness is. It's not the breastplate of our righteousness. It's not the breastplate of doing good stuff and making good decisions. It's the breastplate of knowing that God's righteousness is credited to us. That God's, uh, that, that the, if you like, the, the bank account of Jesus is deposited into your account. And all the righteous things that Jesus did and all the treasures that he stored up in heaven and all those times he made good choices, all of that gets put into your account. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Philippians 3 verse 9, Paul writes, he says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Paul says, I've been there and I've done that. I've tried it and I've discovered that it doesn't work. (laughs) You will never achieve the standard of perfection of righteousness that you need to achieve to be able to stand blameless before God by trying to keep the law. And Paul says, "So I've, I've kind of got to this point. I've had this revelation. I had this, this wake up moment, you know that I, you know that that all of that time that I spent trying to do that was a waste of time because I couldn't do it perfectly. So he, so he says, I've given that away. I'm I'm not trying to do that anymore. I've realised how futile and useless it is. Uh, but God has made a better way in Christ. He says by faith in Christ." We are made righteous. We have an imputed righteousness through faith in Christ. But there's also a, another kind of, um, you know, it, it's easy to kind of, uh, like. I mean, it, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's one thing to take that, to accept that, to understand that God has made us righteous because we're in Christ. That he's given us Christ's righteousness. But He also wants us to work that out in our life. And have this kind of sense where as we're living, we're trying to make decisions that echo the kind of life that Jesus lived. They make the kind of decisions that, that, that help us to, to walk in confidence in our relationship with God. And as we make those kind of decisions, as we make good decisions, as we allow the Holy Spirit to help us and give us wisdom, because we can't do it on our own, but as we do it in partnership with the Holy Spirit, we can make good decisions. We can make wise decisions. We can make righteous decisions. And every time we we overcome temptation, each time with with the help of the Holy Spirit we make that godly choice, we start to build Um, uh, that life we start to to walk in the in the footsteps of Jesus and and have that um, that practical righteousness that starts to come. Now that we don't we don't take confidence in our own goodness or our own good works or in how much like Jesus we've become we know that we're still um, dependent upon the righteousness of Christ but we begin to have this this confidence that comes in our in our battles uh, day by day, as we learn how to make choices that echo the righteousness of God. And as we recognise that righteousness of Jesus, we begin to, um, kind of, it begins to protect us and, and give us confidence. Okay, number three, shoes. Now, this is one of those ones where people often have talked about the shoes of peace and wanting to put on the shoes of peace whatever that means Uh, but it's not actually what Paul says when he wrote the scripture is it he says put on the shoes and this is what I put this is not in the Bible but I put these little things around just to make sure that we understand all right the shoes that are the peace that comes from the gospel the peace that we have that comes from the gospel when we understand the good news about what Jesus has done for us we have peace with God It makes a difference in how we see ourselves and how we live our lives when we understand and we receive that peace that we have from God. Now, shoes do several things, don't they? Shoes shoes do more than... uh, Firstly, shoes protect our feet. That's first and foremost. I would not like to walk across our driveway out here not wearing shoes. I've done it once or twice and I try to avoid it whenever possible. It's stony and gravelly and they're sharp. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now I sound soft. Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I spent a lot more time without shoes on and my feet got harder and, and it probably wouldn't bother me so much. But now I'm like, every time I take my shoes off, it's like, ooh, 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 ooh. You know? <laughs> Especially on a 40-degree day when you're walking on concrete outside and you know it's hot. Um, but shoes protect our feet. Uh, shoes uh, also give us a confident footing. This is, I've got a little picture here of some shoes. That, that they're not um, actual Roman ones, but they're sort of like replica ones. Can you see that? How they've got like little um, metal studs and things. They're called sort of hobnails. Um, and basically, it's kind of like uh, spikes or little cleats on footy boots or things like that. When you, they, they give you a confident footing. They help you not to, to slip. You know, when you're kind of being pushed around or things like that, they give you a sure footing. And the, 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 the peace that comes from understanding and receiving and knowing the gospel of Jesus and what he says about us and how we've you know, been declared righteous and, and the, the truth of the gospel gives us a confident and sure footing when we face different situations in life. We have this kind of footing that says, even if I mess up, even if I make a mistake, even if I make a bad choice, God's still going to love me. God's going to forgive me. I'm still safe and confident as a son uh, or daughter of God because I know that that's what the gospel says. And that gives us that kind of, that sure footing. Um, Thirdly... Now, I don't know if you, you can kind of see in this picture here, this is sort of on sand, you can see where someone wearing these shoes, or at least they've sort of made it look like that, has left, you know, all the little dots. You see all the little dots and from the, the, the nails in the boots. One of the things that we do... Yeah, if it's too far away, then you should sit closer. <laughs> <laughs> But one of the things that that shoes do, and when we wear shoes, we walk around in shoes, is that we leave footprints. You ever walk along the beach and and you you look back and you're like, "Hey, oh, I've left lots of footprints," um, or you see the the footprints where other people have been along and with their little puppies and you know the little puppy paw prints and things like that. Um, but this is one of the things that. Um, as, as we go through life, as we walk through our life and other people's lives in different places, there ought to be footprints of the gospel that we leave behind. Footprints that kind of, I guess, reflect a little bit of God in the places that we've been. Our victory isn't found in, in destroying, but in building God's kingdom. And as we we sharing the gospel and, and doing little things that ought to be um, imprints and 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 footprints, if you like, that we leave in the the hearts and and minds of others around us. Sorry, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting the praying. I didn't do the praying. That's terrible. That was that was my whole thing. Okay. So as we. As we pray, we're going to pray. We're going to pray uh, and ask God f- to help us put on the shoes of the peace that comes from the gospel. Father God, we thank you for your amazing good news. Lord, we thank you for the the truth and the the, the relationship with you that that brings. God, we thank you that um, that that good news helps me to have peace in my heart and peace with you today and peace with others around me. Lord, I pray that you would help me to 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 live in that peace, to trust in that peace, to trust in your good news. But Lord, I pray that you would help me also to leave behind the, the footprints, the marks of the gospel uh, in the lives of others around me. As I come into contact, as I walk through their life, Lord, help me to leave imprints and impressions of the gospel wherever I go. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray amen amen okay the shield of faith firstly it's the shield of faith not the shield of feelings (laughs) faith is not about how we feel in any given moment but faith is that confident assurance that what God says is true and if God has said it we can take it to the bank now the shield that Roman soldiers had was not like you know often when we picture shields they're sort of like you know. Uh, Round and sort of, you know, maybe metallic and have red and blue stripes with a star in the middle. Uh, (laughs) It's not that kind of shield. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think I could get behind. I don't think that shield would hide very much of me. Um, uh, but the, the shield that Roman soldiers had was a big, you know, usually about four foot high, something like that, about uh, two foot wide. So like a, a big, decent-sized shield. It had a metal boss in the centre um, to give it extra strength. But they would often be um, layers of wood, and then they would have leather over the front. And they, before going into battle they would douse that leather and soak that leather in water. And so one of the the reasons that they would do that uh, is so that when, you know, if the enemy tried to shoot fire arrows at them, that if they hit this wet leather, we all know how well wet leather burns. Like, not very well. Uh, Arrows would basically just fizzle out. If fire arrows were potentially very destructive... If you didn't have the right kind of protection, if your shield caught on fire um, or worse still, your clothes caught on fire, often that would, be, uh, that w- that would cause chaos in the, the ranks of the defenders. You know, you don't want to be, you know, shoulder to shoulder fighting with someone who's on fire. <laughs> That's a little bit off-putting. Um, you know, it's hard to stand there and defend yourself with a shield when it's burning it's like, I'm going to get that shield and I'm, you know, if I, I'm going to get out of here and so it would often sort of be very destructive and, and disruptive in, in terms of breaking that line of defence that the enemy had but by soaking this this leather on the front in water um, they were able to nullify the, the significant effects. I mean, of course there's still arrows but at least nullify it the fiery bit. Um, we've got a, a picture here too but often what um, Roman soldiers would do and this was this was in you know in the Asterix comics this was the classic move the the old tortoise formation <laughs> who knows the tortoise formation uh, you got a little bit of, there you go there's the tortoise formation so you can see here this is like a, a group of soldiers and uh, there's not a lot of them that's exposed there. You can see the little guy and he's like he's, he's just peeking out the top there so he can see where he's going. He's leading the rest of the troops. But by, by sort of linking up with others, by joining our shields together, um, they, they can actually form a very strong defence. One, one of the powerful things about our faith... Yes, it is a great defense for us against the attacks of the enemy. But just like this, sometimes when we are together with others in a family, in a body, in a, in a, in a group or whatever, I don't know what that group's called, uh, a legion maybe, I don't know, that's probably a bit small for a legion but um, we can. Our, our faith can actually help to defend others. And as we stand alongside our brothers and sisters and we put up our faith, we become stronger together and the defence can be more effective. And you can see that like the guys behind, like they're using their shield to cover the guy who's in front. And I think that's a really powerful picture um, of the effectiveness of church. And one of the reasons I think why why, why we're encouraged so strongly to, to be together, to be family, to be connected, because we can defend one another. Satan's fire arrows are usually lies and deception, and the things that he fires at us are intended to uh, to to break the or to to distract our attention to to. Um, get get us away from understanding God's truth and so he will he will speak lies I I, we know we don't need to go I'm sure that it doesn't take too much imagination for us to think about some of the lies that the enemies told us lies about our worth lies about our our capacity lies about our value lies about um, who we are and about our identity but we choose what to believe. And When we believe truth, we quench those fiery arrows of lies that the enemy whispers into our ears. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the faith that you give us uh, in you. Lord, help me to believe in you. Lord, help me to trust in your word and the truth of your word. And, and to use that truth to extinguish the lies of the enemy. Father, we thank you for the confidence and the faith, uh, th- that confident assurance that is our faith in you. Lord, we thank you too for that, uh, that, that connectedness that we have. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to stand together as your church and as your family, Lord, and defend one another. Lord, we pray that you strengthen our faith, And protect us in Jesus' name. Amen. The helmet of salvation. Um, We're going to talk about this quite a bit more next week. um, Because our mind is, is the battlefield where most of our struggles and most of our wrestles take place. So we don't have time to kind of go into it as much as I really want to this morning. So we're going to spend more time talking about the battlefield of the mind. But, but there is so much that takes place. There's so much scripture that talks about you know, our, our renewing our mind. Um, you know, we, we had some scriptures this morning that talked about uh, things that we ought to be thinking about, focusing on um, and, and dwelling on and meditating on. When we learn to, I guess, to to put some of that stuff into practice, that that way of thinking, it changes our life. And so much of that, uh, again, ties back to the gospel, understanding the gospel and thinking, um, uh, getting gospel patterns of thought into our mind, understanding uh, salvation by grace through faith. But I just want to pray, let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Uh, for your protection, for your salvation, uh, Lord, we thank you for your grace that is towards us, and Lord, we pray that you would help us to, um, to to fix our thoughts and fix our mind on you each day. Father, I pray that you would help us to to, to think about uh, things that are good and right and true, uh, and to to I guess to allow you to help us to fight that. Um, that battle for our thoughts and for our minds that the enemy would try to wage, we thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Last, we have the sword of the spirit. now the word that 's used to describe sword is not it 's not like a really big sword. They had all different kinds of swords in those moments but um, the sword that uh, is, is spoken of here by Paul refers to um, kind of a couple of the, the, the weapons that can kind of refer to either but it's either the, the, gladi- the one of the main weapons that the Roman soldier y- would use was a gladius um, and so it was a fairly kind of short sword, it was a sort of a, a two-edged sword but it was normally only between Um, You know, 30 to 40 centimetres long was pretty common, sometimes a little bit longer, but they were pretty short. And so they were sort of often like, it it was really designed for close quarters combat. It can also refer um, to that, they often wore like a dagger, that's kind of like a a longish sort of dagger. Um, And the word that's used for sword can also refer to that. So we're not talking about great big... Um, giant two-handed uh, axes that you see or broadswords or any of that kind of stuff that English knights used to have. They're, they're much kind of shorter and much closer quarters and often spiritual battles do kind of feel like close quarters combat, don't they? It kind of feels like like a, like a, a wrestle sometimes. And it talks about, um, the, 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 obviously we, we read the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, there's a couple of different words that are used in the New Testament that are translated as the Word. Uh, the one word is logos. And you might be aware of this. It's the more commonly used word. It's the word that's used to refer to Jesus as the Word. Um, in passages such as John chapter 1, where it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word was with God and the Word was God. That's the word Logos. Um, but it's also used to refer to the, the revelation or the, I guess, the, uh, the Bible as a whole, the, the entirety of, of God's revealed Word to us. Paul doesn't use uh, that word logos here, he uses another word called rhema, uh, which refers to uh, a couple of things. One is the, the, an uttered or a spoken word. Uh, So it's not like the, the sum of all knowledge, it's kind of like something we say in the moment or a specific kind of sentence or phrase or something that is just for that particular moment. And so one of the things that we understand when it comes to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is that we're not just talking about sort of like having a, a Bible in our home or the Bible in its entirety, but when we're facing spiritual battles or temptations or struggles or the, the lies that the enemy throws us, what Paul describes as the sword of the Spirit, our, uh, our sword, our opportunity to, to kind of, you know, get back and, uh, and that sort of thing is God's Word for us in that moment that is specific to that situation. And so much of the time, when we are facing battles, when we're facing struggles, what we need is to hear that word from God that is for us, for that moment, for that thing that we're dealing with. When Jesus faced temptation, he didn't quote the entirety of Scripture back at the devil, did he? He quoted back the bit that was the most relevant in that that particular point in time. Uh, and, and so part of that is, you know, that it's this, this rhema word is these, these portions of God's word, these verses and truths and principles and things that speak into our situation and speak answers and speak confidence, uh, as well as we believe that the, the Holy Spirit speaks to us too. And, and often that's, like, I don't know about you, for you, but for me, the Holy Spirit often speaks things out of Scripture. For me and it will bring to my mind a particular verse or a particular you know sometimes even it's just part of a verse sometimes it's just kind of an idea and I think you know yep that's out of the bible but uh, and I don't know the exact words but it's that that concept that thought that principle from God's word that is what I need to hear in that moment to fight that battle and this is why it's so important for us to kind of do the preparation the training beforehand We need to store God's Word in our heart. We need to store up that treasure within us so that as the Holy Spirit prompts and brings things to mind, as we find ourselves facing difficult situations and dilemmas and struggles and challenges, that is able to bring forth that right Word in the right moment, that rhema Word that is for us in that particular situation. Jesus encouraged his disciples in Luke chapter 12. Jesus talking to his disciples and he says, When you're brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. So when we are battle weary, what we most need is that word from the Lord to our hearts. Hebrews 4.12 says, "A word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That's a scary thought, isn't it? <laughs> All right. So let's, let's pray. Um, Father, help me to store up your words in my heart. Lord, help me to value and to treasure your word. Lord, help me to love it. And Lord, I pray that you would, as you promised, Lord, in moments where I'm wrestling with something, where I'm battling with something, where I'm facing temptation or where I'm facing discouragement or where I'm facing the the lies of the enemy, Lord, bring your words of truth to my mind in those moments. God, help me to be uh, effective in how I use the Word of God and the 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 sword of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. so all of these things, and you see how we we've kind of tied a lot of these things back and as the, you can see how so many of these different things that we've put on tie back to that truth of god's Word, tie back to the gospel, tie back to what God has said about us and how God has made us a new creation and and who we are in Christ. And as we, as we understand that, it sort of helps us to put on all those different aspects, the, the breastplate of righteousness, which we have because of the gospel, that helmet of salvation which protects our minds and our thoughts because we're in Christ Jesus, because our minds have been transformed and renewed. The shoes of peace that come from the gospel. All of this is kind of is, is tying back together. So it's so important that, uh, that we understand how all those pieces kind of fit together and that it's it's this redemption and salvation and grace that comes through our relationship with Jesus that prepares us for that battle that's ahead. And ultimately, you know when as, we, as we're dressed and prepared for battle and prepared for that fight that comes, the, the, the most important thing for us to remember is to follow the direction of Jesus. Amen? Alright. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.